Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 25. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Have you ever seen a really beautiful woman then she opens her mouth and she had a potty mouth? There ain't nothing less attractive than a beautiful woman and all of a sudden she opens her mouth and blank it a blank, 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 blank it a blank. <laughs> You're like, wow, that destroys your beauty. Somebody once said beauty is skin deep, but ugly goes clean to the bone. Abigail. <laughs> Abigail, I I honestly wasn't going to say that. (laughs) Abigail was of beautiful countenance. Appearance, New King Jimmy says appearance. King Jimmy says countenance. I like the word countenance better. That has the sense that everyone stopped and gazed at her because she was so beautiful. The word countenance, listen, I want you to write this down. The word countenance speaks of the light of his presence. The light of his presence. Countenance carries the idea of God's presence in your soul. Now that's true beauty. When you meet a beautiful, godly Christian woman, that's true beauty. The first thing that strikes you is her countenance. Nothing more beautiful than the countenance of elderly Christian beautiful women like Miss Betty. That's why she's beautiful. That's why there's nothing to me more beautiful than an elderly, godly woman. Nothing more beautiful. Their countenance, and the countenance is the presence of God. It's something that comes from without, the countenance of a Christian woman. There's something very beautiful and very a godly glow about a Christian woman. I've told you in the past that there's three times in the life of a woman where she is most beautiful. One, when she's pregnant. Two, when she's getting married. And three, when she's Christian and she's a godly woman. Countenance is real beauty. You understand the world is trying to manufacture and put in a bottle countenance? Huh? They're trying to put together, they're trying to put in a bottle countenance and it ain't working. All the makeup and the weave and the facelifts and the nip tuck, fake eyelashes, fake eyebrows, fake teeth, glass eye. (laughs) I'm just trying to throw everything fake in there. None of that can give you countenance. Don't get me wrong. I got no problem with makeup. You know, I, you know I've talked to you about this already. I, I have no problem with makeup. I think it's a great thing. Makeup is a, is a, 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 a wonderful thing. <laughs> Makeup's great. J. Vernon McGee said, I didn't say. J. Vernon McGee said, every old bar needs some paint. <laughs> I didn't say it. I'm just telling you what somebody else said. Get mad at him. He passed on. He's in glory with Jesus. Get mad at him. 
I don't have no problem with makeup. But, but you got to understand that makeup, somebody pray for me, makeup can't give you countenance. Countenance speaks of a beauty that can't be bought. It's an inward beauty that comes from the inside. That's Abigail. Abigail was a beautiful, godly, wise woman with good understanding, and she married a fool. Beauty and the beast. You might say, well, how wise is she that she married a fool? Well, remember, in those days, marriages were arranged and from childhood. So maybe she was a beautiful little girl and he was a rich little boy. And the fathers got together and said, let's hook the beautiful girl up with the rich boy. And marriages were arranged in those days. So maybe she had nothing to do with it. The Bible tells us he was shearing his sheep in Carmel, Nabal, and I'm sure his servants. The time of the shearing of sheep for the herder was just like the time of harvest for the farmer. It was a time of labor. And then after the labor, it was party time. It was a time of thanksgiving and rejoicing and festivity and a time of plenty. Look at verse 4 of chapter 25. When David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent 10 young men to Nabal in peace and said, told them to say to him, you know, that we were with your shepherds and, and, and we didn't harm them. We didn't do anything. We didn't steal from them. David said, tell him we helped and protected his sheep. Now, you got to understand something, saints. Listen to me. Watch me. In this culture, if anybody helped in caring for another person's flock, it was traditional, it was customary, and it was right and respectful that that other person reap the benefits from that flock. So David said, listen, we're out here and we had your back. Nothing was missing. We helped protect your sheep from thieves. We didn't harm them or steal anything. Remember, David had 600 guys. They could have stolen whatever they wanted. So now David needs food and supplies, and he has every cultural right to ask Nabal to do the right thing and hook him up with some stuff. Look at verse 8. David said, ask your shepherds, Nabal. They'll tell you, we helped you. And besides, it's a happy day, rejoicing day. Please give whatever the Lord puts on your heart. Verse 9, the young men did exactly what David told them to do. And notice in verse 10, Nabal's response. Look at verse 10. Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away each from one his master. So shall I, note this, this guy got eye disease. Notice, shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shearers and give it to the men when I do not know where they are from? And so David's young men turned on their heels and they went back and they came and told him, David, all these words. And then David said to his men, every man gird on his sword. So every man girded on his sword and David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men with David and 200 stayed with the supplies. Now, verse 14, one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, look, 
David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we accompanied them when we were in the fields. They were a wall to us, both night and day. In other words, they did us right. All the time we were with them, keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know and consider what you will do. For harm is determined against our master Nabal and against all his household, for he is such a scoundrel. King James says, son of Belial. Now, you can take that where you want. (laughs) Son of Belial or son of the devil. He's such a son of the devil that no one can speak to him. Saying, stop right there. Give me your attention. Notice Nabal's response. Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? Now listen, he knew who David was. Everybody knew who David was. The whole country knew who David was because it was a number one hit song written about David (laughs) from some Pentecostal girls. Y'all ain't hear me. From some Pentecostal girls coming out, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. He knew who David was and proof that he knew who David was. Did you pick that up? He said, who is the son of Jesse? How do you know he's the son of Jesse? Well, verse 10, notice he said there are many servants that break away from their master. And that's a lot. He said there's a lot of runaway slaves these days. That's insulting. That's a jab at David, implying that David betrayed Saul, and now he's on the run. Really, he's saying, this guy thinks he's all that. Verse 12, the men go back and they tell David what he said. And did you get David's response in verse 13? David flipped out. (laughs) Write that down. David flipped out. David received Nabal's response exactly the way Nabal intended it to be received, as an insult. The men tell David what Nabal said, and David says, suit up, fellas. See, David's a redhead and a hothead. David is ready to fight. And I get the feeling that David said, that's it. I can't take it no more. Remember Popeye? I can't stand it no more. I can't stand it no more. David can't stand it. He can't take it anymore. Since chapter 18, y'all been with me, you know. Since chapter 18, David has been taking it and taking it and dealing with it. David's had javelins thrown at him. He's been on the run out of the country by Saul, lost everything, home, job, friends, family, public enemy, number one. He's tried the reconciliation route. He's tried humbling himself before Saul route. And David's thinking, I can't catch a break. This is the last straw. This is the breaking point for David. Now watch this, interesting. Just one chapter ago, saints, David is yielded to the Lord. You were with me last week. He was yielded to the Lord. David is seeking God and humbling himself before Saul. He didn't kill Saul in self-will. He's seeking forgiveness in chapter 24. He's seeking reconciliation in chapter 24. Just one chapter ago, David is out. You know, one chapter ago, he's forgiving. And now one chapter later, he is out out of control. He is in his flesh. You know what that teaches us? You can have a great victory today and win the battle today, but if you don't stay in the spirit, you'll lose the battle tomorrow. You see, we can kill giants today, pray today, walk in the spirit today. It only takes one little stupid navel. Am I right about it? Take one little stupid navel, one little stupid thing to take you down, and now you're in the flesh. Victory 
is a moment-by-moment thing. I'm going to say it again in case you missed it. Victory is a moment-by-moment thing. One victory, one battle does not ensure the next victory or the next battle. Someone put it like this. I love this. Yesterday's victories may become today's temptations. The sin we shun yesterday, we may embrace today. Sunday's unconditional love can turn to Monday's selfishness. A tender, forgiving heart can become a punitive and, and can become punitive and tough. And a refusal to retaliate can turn revenge. You can't live today on yesterday's obedience. And that's why the Bible says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit. That word walk in the spirit means stay in the spirit. Stay in the spirit. David is thinking, I've been persecuted by a king. I will not be persecuted by a fool. (laughs) Write that down. So David is mad. And when you're mad, y'all know, You're not thinking clearly. David's not thinking clearly right now. He's forgetting. Forgetting what? He's forgetting the battle is the Lord's. He's forgetting that God is working. Remember, all the events in David's life thus far are ordered by the Lord. Everything that David has been through, everything that David has lost, every act of humbling himself, every act of submission to God, every act of obedience is a course in the king's college for David. These are mandatory courses, not electives. God is interested in David. God is trying to make David the king after his own heart. And as I've mentioned, every man and woman used by God must take this course. And they're hard courses. And they're tough courses. It's hard when people talk about you and you can't say a word. It's hard when people send you threatening letters. Monday, I got two, not one, but two. Scathing messages from people. Two. Now, I didn't reply to either. And resolved on Monday, I will not, and I have to have help with this, but I will not look at my emails, check Facebook, look, turn, I won't even turn on my phone. Can't, Monday is tough enough. Monday, do you, do you, y'all don't get it. Monday is tough enough. Read the minister's fainting fits by C.H. Spurgeon. He talks about the Monday after Sunday. Monday is hard for every preacher in the country. Caveat. If he's preaching the word of God, Now, he up there talking about nonsense. He probably enjoying himself and going golfing on Monday. I mean, after all, we all only work one day a week. Monday is hard. It's hard. Spiritually, it's hard. You come up here for three services. You preach the word. You lay it down. Literally lay, throw it all down right here. Walk out the pulpit. Get down there on Sunday. Sleep a little bit on Sunday. And Monday, you wake up and you say, I quit. I hate this job. I hate this job because the devil is throwing stuff at you. People got saved. Keep in mind, people got saved on Sunday and spiritual stuff happened on Sunday. It was a lovely day in the spirit on Sunday, but Monday not for a preacher. He quit. Most preachers I know who teach the word of God, those are the ones I know, they quit every Monday. We all quit. 
We call each other and go, hey, you quit yet? Yeah, I quit, man. I just did five minutes ago. It's hard enough. Then you are checking Facebook and you got, and on this platform, on this platform, on this church, with media and people listening to sermons, you think, oh, people listen to sermons all around the world. That's an awesome thing. Well, maybe not. Because maybe they, somebody somewhere heard something that they don't like. And everybody in this culture that we live in, they feel free to tell you what they don't like. I call them keyboard bullies. Huh? Because you would never tell me that to my face. I know you wouldn't. Because I love the Lord. <laughs> don't get that twisted. I love the Lord with all my heart. Oh, I feel it deep. But you wouldn't say that to my face. Because I might have to say I love Jesus. <laughs> now I got to handle my business. <laughs> and then I come back over here. I love the Lord. He heard my cry. <laughs> As you picking yourself up off the floor. It's hard. It's hard when people are trying to split the church. And they go here. And they try to split the church because they have a little Bible study over here, and I hear about it. It's a little Bible study. And you ask, oh, it's just a little Bible study. Really? One time a guy had just a little Bible study, and later on I come to find out he had uh, all the papers with the state filed, bank account file, uh, uh, name of the church, and 60 people from this church going to that church. So that's why we want to know. If we, if we hear that there's a Bible study, we, we want to know about it. Great, have a Bible study. Great, enjoy the word. We want you to do that, but be decent and respectful. And tell the leadership, we, amen, I'm going to wait till you clap your hands. That's, that's, that's right. That's right. It's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. David is dealing with a situation here that is extremely hard. It's not natural to be able to, to do what Jesus said. Jesus said in Luke 6, 27 through 31, Jesus said, I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you and bless those who curse you and pray for those who dispose spitefully use you and to him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks you and from him who takes away from your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you do also to them. What Jesus is asking us to do as believers is not natural. That is supernatural. Matter of fact, it's impossible without the help of the Spirit. Well, notice in verse 14, we got to move forward. One of Nabal's servants heard Nabal's response to David's men, and they knew it was insulting. And notice they didn't go to Nabal. Did you get that? Because they knew Nabal was a scoundrel. His own servants knew that about him. In other words, Nabal is rude and inconsiderate. inconsiderate. They went to Abigail. Nabal's servant said, listen, Ab, 
Those guys were nice to us out there. We weren't hurt. Nobody stole anything. Look at verse 15. They said, ah, they were, all, they were a wall for us at night and keeping the sheep for us. Look at verse 18. Look at verse 18. Then Abigail, looking at verse 18, say I'm looking at him. Then Abigail made haste. And she took 200 loaves of bread. Notice this wise, beautiful, godly woman. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five seeds of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, 200 cakes of figs, and loaded them on donkeys. They must have had a big kitchen. That's a lot of stuff. And she said to her servants, go on before me and see, I'm coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. And so it was as she rode on the donkey that she went down under cover of the hill and there were David and his men coming down toward her and she met them face to face. And David said, surely in vain I have, and this is what he's saying on his way. Surely in vain I've protected all this fellow has in the wilderness so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him and he has repaid me evil for good. May God do so and more also to the enemies of David if I leave one male of who, uh, male of all who belong to him by morning light. Now, when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David and bowed down to the ground. So she fell at his feet and she said, oh, me, on me, my Lord, on me, let this iniquity be. And please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. Please let not my Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is his game. Nope, folly <laughs> is with him. That's what it says. But doesn't it fit? Nabal is his name. Folly is his game. Y'all ain't know I could rap like that, did you? <laughs> Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal. And now this present, which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to your young men who follow my Lord. That's an important statement this, from this very wise woman. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house. She knows David is to be king. Because of my Lord fights the battles of the Lord. David, you fight the battles of the Lord and evil is not found in you throughout your days. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life. She knows about Saul, but the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies, he shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord, according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel, 
that this will be no grief to you, nor offense of, of, of heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Abigail, knowing the custom, made haste. I find it interesting that she didn't head for the hills and she didn't flip out and she didn't freak out. She's a wise woman. She made haste. She knew something had to be done. And she did what Nabal should have done in verse 18. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five already dressed sheep, a hundred clusters of raisins, two fig, 200 fig cakes. She put them on a donkey. Verse 42, actually, if you fast forward and look there, it tells us she had five maid servants with her. Now think about this. If they had this much food on hand, it makes Nabal look even worse not to give them what is due. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.